sense are what they call religious. They believe that there's something out there, but they're not sure that they ought to belong to any one particular religious group. 9%, another 9% say they are secular, unaffiliated. That means to say they don't believe in a God and they, they don't worship anyone. But I want you to think about that for a moment. 4% say they are agnostic. 9% say they believe that there's a God out there, but I just don't know if I ought to worship anywhere. A big part of that is due to the variable of how we look at science. Can we believe that the Bible is the Word of God? There's a mindset out there that says you can't believe the Bible and science, and it has to be one or the other. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not an accurate position to take. It's possible to believe in the Bible and to have faith and still acknowledge and appreciate science. They are not polar opposites, but they fit nicely together. I want us to think about what led to the struggle, this dichotomy between science and the Bible. I want us to think about the relationship between science and the Bible, and I want us to think about scientific insights in the Bible. What has led, first of all, then, to the struggle between the science, or science, and the Bible? Where did this come from? How did this originate? And our first mindset might be to go back to Charles Darwin, but there's something before that. In what many people call the pre-scientific period of Western civilization. This is a period of time in which religion in the West was made by the Catholic Church. Everything in Western Europe ran through Catholicism. And so they were looked to as being... Uh, experts, the priests, the theologians were considered to be experts in, in everything. And there was a mindset, a theology that is known as the God of the gaps. And that's the idea that if we can't explain something, it must be because God is doing something beyond our, our understanding. So, for instance, one of the prominent theories of this mentality said that God physically forces the blood in your body to travel through your body. That's the only explanation for it. God makes that happen. Now, at one level, I understand that to be the case, but you see, in the 16th century, an up-and-coming scientist by the name of William Harvey dissected the heart. He was able to show that the blood, the heart actually is a pump that pumps the blood through your body. It's not just that God just makes that happen. There's a natural reason but you see, people began to doubt Christianity and the Bible and Catholicism because they said, wait a minute, you're just saying that God mystically makes this happen and yet we can, as we study the human body and we start to know things, we're able to see and demonstrate that these things just happen naturally. What you've been telling us must not be true. And so skepticism started to rise. And as skepticism started to rise, the desire to hold on to that power in Western civilization started to drive men to make bolder claims. Perhaps none bolder than John Lightfoot, who in 1654 wrote and made the claim that God began creation 
at 9 a.m. on October 26, 4004 B.C., Mesopotamian time, using the Julian calendar. Do you find that in here? You don't. But you see, the reason I know about that claim is because my geology professor in college way back when, too many years and I want to admit, uh, made the claim and pointed this out and said, how absurd is that, that somebody could sit here and say that it was this day that God created the world. But you see, it's those types of claims that led, have led people to be skeptics of the Bible and Christianity. And, and they don't necessarily study the Bible, but they hear these types of claims and they think, the Bible says that? That's ridiculous. Point of fact, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It simply says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. As scientists became more and more increasingly aware of the laws of nature and the various fields of science, the idea of God causing things began to break down. The idea of the God of the gaps. And more and more, some scholars tried to hold on to their power and authority. John Ray in 1690 wrote uh, that the wisdom of God is manifested in the works of creation. He said, look, when God created things, He created them in a certain state, and they're always in that state. And scientists said, no. You can look at things and see that things are changing. And so this battle continued, and it created more and more skeptics of, the Christ of Christianity and the Bible because people were claiming things that simply aren't in the Bible. During what's called the scientific period, 1700s and beyond, scientists began to reject the idea that the universe and nature was unchanging. Telescopes could show us that the stars were moving. Other evidence from other fields of science showed that things had changed over time. And so the concept within nature that laws bound matter in motion began to, to take hold. No longer was it just God causing things to happen. Never was there a thought, however, to the fact that maybe God defined those laws. In one sense, science is nothing more than one way of knowing. That is to say, we can look at something in nature, a phenomena in nature. We can theorize about it, we can make hypotheses about those things and test those things, but science began uh, to be focused on what you can observe and measure in test. And as people became skeptics of Christianity and the Bible, they say anything that you can't measure in nature is supernatural and therefore something to be doubted. And so here we are today. Many say if it's not a natural thing, you ought not worry about it. And they see the Bible as being something that has to do with metaphysics and, and the supernatural and Things that don't really matter. So what then is the relationship between science and the Bible? Science deals with that observable natural phenomena. It's understand these phenomena and describe it through naturalistic means. And science has a method for doing that. We call that the scientific method. And yet the Bible claims to be the Word of God, the all-knowing, all-powerful God. And so we look at the Bible and we say, if the Bible claims something to be true, then it must be true. But the reality is the Bible is not concerned 
with science. That's not to say it's not concerned with being scientifically accurate. If God is an all-knowing God and he wrote the Bible, we would expect what he says about scientific things to be true. But you see, the purpose of the Bible is not to be a science book. It's not trying to describe things in nature so that we can control them, so that we can understand them, so that we can manipulate them. That's the role of science. We want to understand a phenomena so we can control it, so we can use it, so we can manipulate it. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about our relationship with God. So there are some instances in which the Bible says some things about science, or scientific things, natural things, but that's not the focus of the Bible. So sometimes there are brief points of overlap, but that's two different purposes between science and the Bible. The Bible clearly claims that God made the universe. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 3. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into existence through Him. Genesis chapter 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the, and the earth. And so we have these claims that God created this earth. But the Bible also claims to be the word of God. Science seeks to understand by observing nature and measuring those phenomena. One way of knowing that the Bible claims to be knowledge that is imparted by the revelation of God. Two different ways of knowing. Two different sets of facts. Or that is to say, two different subject matters to be studied with you. A relationship with God rather than understanding our environment. For the most part, science and the Bible deal with different subject matters. There are some who would say that as much as 95% 95% of the time that science is seeking to understand processes within nature that the Bible simply does not discuss. In other words, 95% of things that scientists study are things that the Bible never addresses. Likewise, the Bible is not concerned with describing natural processes so that we might understand them and control them. But there is a small amount of information within the Bible that does deal with those natural things. Sometimes... Those two sets of information go nicely together. Sometimes science, as it continues to change, explains things that otherwise wouldn't make sense to us. And some of those things that we don't have a set of information about yet through science, instead of undermining the Bible, support the Bible. For instance, for years and years, People talked about the fact that the flood could never have really happened, that the earth could only change uh, over long periods of time, and, and things like the Ventura Basin of California must have been built over eons and eons of time. Until 1950s, when two scientists studied what we now call turbidity rates and turbidites. And they found that sometimes when there's a flood, you have underwater currents that just take huge amounts of soil and, and replace it in a very short period of time, within minutes, within hours. And they were able to demonstrate this. And all of a sudden, some of these huge basins that people say, oh, that must take eons and eons of time to build up and, and to create. Suddenly now there was scientific information that supported the idea 
that you know what? Some of these things might have happened much quicker than we anticipated. And so science, instead of undermining, can often underscore what we learn in Scripture. The impact is that science and the Bible do not have to be and should not be viewed as opposing realities. In fact, they are often are not concerned with the same subject matter at all. But when they do line up, they do just that. They line up and they support them. Finally, scientific insights in the Bible. Consider these things that we know from Scripture that science took eons and eons of time. It took years to learn. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. And notice a fact that in Western culture was not known to us until a relatively short period of time ago. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22. Isaiah, the inspired writer, speaking the words of God, says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and who spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Did you notice that? God sits upon or above the circle of the earth. When was it that scientists discovered that the earth was not flat? Was it in 700 B.C.? In the time of Isaiah? Or was it not for 2,100 years later, during the time of Galileo, that Western culture acknowledged the fact that the earth is not flat? Scripture teaches us that reality. Something you wouldn't expect from the Creator who made it all. Think about the idea of life being in the blood. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, God tells why we are to respect life in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. But in doing so, he tells us something about the nature of blood, the significance of blood. Chapter 17 of Leviticus, verse 11, God says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is, it is the blood by reason of life that makes atonement. Blood carries your oxygen. Blood carries the nutrients that your body needs to survive and to thrive and to do the things that you need to do with your body. But scientists didn't realize that for centuries. Even though Scripture had said that, it wasn't until the 19th century that scientists understood the idea of oxygen and nutrients being distributed by the blood of the body. Still in the Old Testament, we come to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 19 and verse 14. There is a strange passage. Numbers chapter 19 and verse 14. Which God tells the Israelite, this is the law when a man dies in a tent. Everyone who comes into the tent and everyone who is in the tent shall be unclean for seven days. Every open vessel which has no covering tied down on it shall be unclean. Also, anyone who is in the open field and touches one who has been slain with a sword or who has died naturally or a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Why, God, would you say that someone has to be unclean and separate themselves, as the law of uncleanliness required, from the rest of the community for seven days? 
because of what the Italian scientist or the German scientist Ignaz Simmelweis discovered in 1840. When doctors were performing autopsies and then immediately going and operating on other individuals and passing communicable diseases because of quarantine, the lack of quarantine in working with dead bodies and germs. God says separate yourselves for a period of time until that bacteria and those germs are done away with so that people can have life and not be contaminated by those diseases and those germs. The book of Job is an interesting book which talks of many different scientific things in its chapters. But notice what God says to Job. In Job chapter 26 and verse 7. Or what Job acknowledges in Job chapter 26 and verse 7. It says very simply, speaking of God, He stretches out the north over the empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Did you catch that? Job, the inspired writer, the inspired writer of Job, notes the fact that God hangs the earth upon nothing and in an empty space. There's actually two things of great interest here. He stretches out the north over empty space. And he hangs the earth on nothing. There is an emptiness where the earth exists. And we're kept in place by the rotation and the movement of the earth. A reality that is different from every other world religion. The ancient Samaritans who uh, believed that the earth was on the back of a turtle. The Greeks who believed that the earth was on the back of, of Atlas. The ancient Indians who believed that the earth was set on the back of four elephants going in opposite directions and that explained earthquakes. Scripture says something that scientists can discover for centuries. That God just hangs the earth out in nothing. Scientific things which the scriptures speak to that science did not know for centuries. God created this earth and he created this earth with natural laws. And science can help discover those natural laws and understand how they work and how they operate. But there's not a conflict between Scripture and science. It's possible to acknowledge and appreciate the role of science in helping us understand the natural laws that God has created. But the Bible is not opposed to science. There's nothing in Scripture that says that we ought to oppose science. As Christians, we, not, we ought not be afraid of science. We ought to embrace it. Because it is a way of helping us acknowledge the awesomeness of God and to see the order that He created in our universe and in our earth. Rather than being afraid of science or believing that science is somehow opposed to Christianity in the Bible, we ought to use it to demonstrate to others the awesomeness of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had questions about science in the Bible or science in Christianity or you know others that do. And you want to know how to reach out to those folks or you want to be able to reach those folks. 
And you want to know how you can do that and have the prayers of the church in helping you do that. Whatever you need, won't you come? Together we stand and say.